Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ahoy, traveler! You found yourself at the latest D&D Lorecast Presents, and in this episode, we're talking with Jalee Johnson, the novelist behind the newest Dungeons & Dragons book, The Fallbacks, Bound for Ruin. If you are listening to this episode on the day of release, you have exactly one week to, until the book comes out, March 5th. One week. If you're listening to this episode after it's been released, you have less than a, what, what are you, well, less than a week. What are you doing? Time is of the essence. The clock is ticking. And if you're listening to this after March 5th and you don't have your copy of The Fallbacks, I, I need you to go to your nearest bookstore, your most favorite e-commerce retailer, and buy the book now. It's a lot of fun. It's so much fun. And you can tell why it was written with love. You'll hear in our conversation with Julie. She's just a big D&D nerd herself, and it's evident in the book. But without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. Hello and welcome to an installment of Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast Presents, the series where we talk to the content creators in the tabletop role-playing game sphere. We talk to the game designers. We talk to the actual play podcasters. We talk to the writers, and that's exactly who we are talking to this very day. And not just any writer, a novelist. And not just any novelist, the novelist behind D&D's newest novel, the first in quite a while. I mean, if you if you don't include the the movie tie-ins, then uh, this is one of the first books since the since the onset of fifth edition. We are talking to Jalee Johnson. Say welcome, welcome to the tower. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited. Oh, I'm very excited because the books, uh, at least for me, were just such a huge part of cementing my love for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. You know, uh, obviously the the R. A. Salvatore Dritz books. You know the all of Ed Greenwood's books, obviously, and oh, when wow. Wizards sort of started to pivot away from the novels, um, it was kind of it's kind of a bummer for me. And so I I appreciate that we're starting to see more. So, like I said, aside from the Dritz books and some of um like some young adult offerings, uh, your both of your novels, you did one of the movie tie-ins, the Honor Among Thieves prequel, right. and now this new release. Like I said, these are the first book offerings by and large in around a decade. So was that something that you approached Wizards about or was it the other way around? Were you like, I'm hankering to write some more (laughs) D&D? Well, I was, but no, it it wasn't something that I approached them about. I had just finished, I was asked to do 
to do the the tie-in um, prequel novel for the movie, um, one of them. And I had just finished writing that book and, you know, was saying to Random House, this is great, great experience. I'd love to work together again. And, you know, kind of went on about my life afterwards. And then they contacted me uh, just probably about a month or two later and said, hey, would you like to write, you know, a new D&D novel, you know, for the Forgotten Realms setting. I was like, yes, I would absolutely love to do that. Yes, yes, please. So yeah, that was kind of how that all that all came about. And um, yeah, and now we're here. So it's been it's been quite a ride. That's awesome. So Julie, um, some of your earliest work actually is with D&D. Was yes. that by design? Like, did you did you know you wanted to you know, write fantasy in general? Or did you want did you want to write D and D specifically, and that just happened to be one of the first opportunities you got? Um, it was. This has been a while back, and I was trying to write and get a novel published. I was writing in different genres, trying different things. Um, I was mostly writing fantasy, writing a little bit of romance, and also combining the two um, fantasy romance. And I, I was not getting anywhere with that with either getting an agent or getting published and it was kind of one of those uh low moments and at the time that that was happening i got i found out that wizards of the coast at the time was having this open call uh for new writers for their for the forgotten realms line and they were going to hold a contest and the winner would get a novel contract in one of their new series that they were launching. And so I remember reading about that at the time, and I had no intention of entering. I thought it was a really cool idea, you know, a concept, and I thought, this is great. It's going to get new writers into the saying. That's going to be awesome. I'm not going to be entering because I have no chance. And because I remember having that conversation with my mother and my brother at the time, and my mother was very indignant. She was like, why aren't you? Why aren't you entering this contest? You love, you love Dungeons and Dragons. Um, as mothers are wont to do. Yes, as mothers are wont to do. You know, she, she, doesn't, she didn't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, she just knows that, knew that I loved it. And she was like, so why wouldn't you enter this contest? You're a writer. And, and I said, no, I said, that's, this is, I said, this is, this is D&D. This is Forgotten Realms. These are these are authors that I have idolized, creators that I have idolized for years. Um, I said, I'm not in that league. So I'm just anxious to see what happens there. And my mother wouldn't let it go. She was like, you're just as good as any of them. And I said, you don't know any of them. <laughs> and she said, that doesn't matter. That's beside the point. Regardless. Yeah, regardless. She said, you're going, she said, enter the contest. Just do it. She said, you don't know what can happen unless you give it a shot, you have to give it a shot. So I sent in an entry very last minute to the contest. I had to overnight it to get it there by the deadline. And I did not win the contest. Um, the twist. Yes, the twist. I did not win the contest. However, uh, in my in the letter, they sent a very nice letter saying that I did not win the contest. However, they said that they we're not just looking for one new writer for the realms line. They were looking for multiple writers. And they said that um, mine was one of the entries that stood out and they were going to be putting, you know, my name on a short list of people to keep in mind for future projects. And so that was 
like a heart stopping moment for me because that was something I never expected. And not long after that, I got to pitch to the person who would become my editor um, at Wizards, uh, Susan Morris. I pitched her a novel in a series they were doing um, called the Dungeons series. And that was accepted. And that became my first novel. And my mother got to say, I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was the, that was the beginning of my, that was my first published novel was the Howling Dell that came out in 2007. So just. No, I, I love that story because it, it promotes the idea that, you know, you, if you never take your shot, like you're going to miss, right? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Wengretzky, Michael Scott. Uh, don't, don't hamstring yourself by going in thinking that you can't do something. And, and also, you know, when you're, when your cheerleaders around you are, are pumping you up and trying to, you know, get you to take, take that shot, you know, listen to them. So you mentioned that you loved D&D. What is your history with the game? My history with the game is, so my history with D&D is all my brother's fault. Um, I have an older brother. There's an 11 year age difference between us. Um, So when I was five years old, he was 16 and heavily into playing Dungeons and Dragons with his group of friends. So, but he was also a very patient, indulgent older brother, and he would let me, you know, we'd be late at night in our parents' garage. I would sit on a lawn chair while his gaming group sat around a table, and I would listen to them, you know, spin these amazing stories about adventurers going on quests, fighting monsters, collecting treasure, and five-year-old me was instantly hooked on this you know oh, yeah me, i can imagine yeah to me it was just i was like this is just make-believe i can do this you know i wanted to join the group right then um and that was yeah it, it was the best kind of storytelling to me and they made me get a little older before they let me join their group i had to get to middle school when until they finally let me let me join up with them but that was that was it for me then i was a player and i was you know, stealing my brother's copy of Spellfire because I wanted to see what the Forgotten Realms was. And he was pushing the Dragonlance Chronicles into my hands because he said, you know, this this is an, an amazing adventuring party. You're going to love these characters. And, and he was right. And I did. And yeah, nowadays I'm much, much more likely to be a dungeon master than I am a player, but that's where it all started for me. And, and my brother is still, we're still in the same gaming group together with a lot of the same people from back then. So it's, yeah, it's amazing that it's lasted this long. So it sounds to me like you owe your, your family, your entire involvement with D&D. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much my family and, and some of my, also my friends too, because this is, this is how tightly, tightly linked all of this is because one of the um, members of my D and D group actually got me uh, my first job in high school because I was playing magic, the gathering at the time. And um, then Tim worked at, this collectible shop that was just getting into selling Magic the Gathering and they knew nothing about it except that it was very, very popular and they needed someone who knew the game to help sell the cards over the counter. And so they hired me based on his recommendation. And years later, I rewarded him by marrying him. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the reference. Yes, thank you for the reference. Let's get married. 
that's, that's how awesome. that's how linked all of this is and how linked gaming has been to my life and my career yeah it's been yeah it's been quite a ride uh well we are a primarily a lore cast and so your lore is fantastic <laughs> thank you okay so that's you good lore you published spider and stone in 2012 which i like i said uh, re- mentioned earlier it's kind of around the time that D fifth edition was being released and there was this intentional pivot away from the novels um they wanted to in their words sort of let the 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 campaign setting be you know built and expanded and you know by the by the players rather than uh, rather than this sort of like meta plot of the novels so why do you think that now in 2024 that we're starting to see the novels again we have uh, yours coming up uh, the first week of March, March 5th. And then we have the upcoming Spelljammer book this summer. I'm so excited for the Spelljammer book, by the I way. Know, I oh my gosh. I'm that. so, I'm like, oh so excited. God. I'm so excited. But it, yeah, so anyway, um, no, I think that, I think that there has, there has been for a while now that desire um, as fifth edition became established, you know, the game growing even more in popularity, becoming even more mainstream. I think there, there was this growing desire to fill that vacancy, you know, where the novels had been, I know that I wanted them, you know, for a long time, I was ready. And then I think, and then with the movie coming out, and you have this opportunity, not only to, you know, give longtime fans that desire, you know, fulfill that desire that they've had um, for the novels, but the people who are coming to the game knew, you know, whether it's through the movie or through fifth edition, you know, or just people coming of age and discovering D&D maybe through their parents who played even. And it gives them, you know, an, an, an entry point into D&D, into the realms and, you know, through this um, new adventuring party. And I think that's that's really cool. I think it's cool for longtime fans and for newcomers. I want to I want to talk about the adventuring party. I was able to read um, a bit of the book and it, I love it. It's a lot of fun. And oh, the you. one thing that like was stuck out to me was it didn't feel like a novel in the traditional sense, like a, a traditional D&D novel. And like you have characters and you have the setting. It read a lot like an actual play. It read like we were actually watching or reading somebody play D&D. <laughs> Was that intentional or was that sort of just a happenstance? Well, I think part of it is just that I have always been immersed in the game and in the lore of D&D. So to me, there's a very personal connection there because any time that I delve into, you know, those the worlds, those characters, those classes, anything like that, I am always remembering that feeling of playing with my gaming group and that, you know, that immersion into the game and into the fantasy world and the lore of it all. And I think that that, you know, probably comes through in just that it's always been very important to me and very special to me. No, yeah, it definitely comes through. Like I, like I said, I was reading it and I'm like, this, this feels like I'm just reading someone play D and D aside from all the, uh, you know, uh, mechanics questions and all that. <laughs> Um, what what's your favorite part about writing D and D stories, and how how does it differ from writing other licensed fiction or even work of like your own creation? Um, I think, well, like I said, I think one of my one of my favorite parts is that personal connection. Just like I said, that that game has been so much, you know, a formative, you know, a core memory, formative experience for my life that it's always going to be 
very, you know, very important to me. Um, and a lot of the, the differences, uh, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between that and other types of licensed fiction. Sometimes it just comes down, you know, to the details and to the research. You know, if I'm, you know, researching a D&D novel, it's making sure that I know the rules and making sure that I'm, you know, researching realms lore and, you know, getting the, getting the world right and the setting and, you know, if it's, if it's Assassin's Creed or something like that, it's, it's researching and bringing in real world history. It's learning about the Eastern Roman Empire, or it's watching cutscenes from Assassin's Creed Valhalla to make sure that the characters are, you know, reflecting, um, reflected well from the game and, you know, or researching for a Marvel novel, you're seeing, you know, what, what other writers have done with the character you've been entrusted with. There's always that desire you know, to honor what's come before and also to bring your own, you know, perspective to the work when you're doing um, the licensed um, fiction. When it's my own creation, um, the joy comes from building everything from the ground up, you know, having you, you, the, everything is open to you. And also that can be incredibly freeing, but also incredibly terrifying too, because it's all on you and you have to build everything. And so you get, um, you get equal parts joy and pain from that. And I, I have always loved doing both for different reasons. So it's, yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, interesting. We're talking with Jalee Johnson, the author of The Fallbacks Bound for Ruin, the newest D&D book that is coming out on March 5th. Uh, you mentioned the Dragonlance Chronicles, which we're actually going through the um, companions right now. We just did our episode on Stern Brightblade, and it hits me in the feels every single time. That guy, oh, yeah. every I single time. Um, you also mentioned uh, Ed Greenwood's novel Spellfire. What are some of your other favorite D and D novels? Yeah, uh, yeah, Spellfire definitely because that was uh, probably my first introduction to. Forgotten Realms fiction, a lot of this happened around the same time, so it's hard to remember. I also remember I listened to an audiobook of Starless Night, and that was my introduction to Dritzt out of order um, because I saw this audiobook at the bookstore on, you know, on cassette tape, and I loved the cover and started listening to it. And it was also a great introduction to the realms because I could hear all the names pronounced correctly. Right, um, right. I had that same experience with the Dragonlance Chronicles. I eventually, um, I read them and then I listened to them on cassette tape and realized I was pronouncing all of the names wrong. Um, but I loved that. And I also love um, Evermeet and Elf Shadow by Elaine Cunningham because she's an amazing writer and an amazing writer of elves and really brought those to life for me in the realms uh, the way I had never experienced before. I also love uh, Brimstone Angels because Aaron Evans is also an amazing writer and because Tieflings rule, and I won't hear otherwise. Um, <laughs> Tieflings are I, cool. Yeah, they are cool. I loved the old um, Ravenloft novels a lot. Um, I had almost every Ravenloft novel published. I loved I Strahd. Um, mm -hmm. That was my, that was my introduction to vampires. That was pre-Twilight. That was, that was my, that was my Dracula book. That was my vampire book. So yeah, I, all those old books, um, I, I remember, uh, you know, every week or every couple of weeks getting to my local Walden books just to see what was coming out, you know, 
um, and discovering so many new writers and so many new settings um, through that. That was amazing. So the D&D novels, you know, be them the, the Dritz books, the Dragonland series, you know, they have a special place in the hearts of many fans. Yes. You you mentioned wanting to like honor the legacy of those that you know what came before. So do you do you take you know this writing this this first book in quite a while? Do you take that as a welcome challenge in continuing that legacy? Oh, no pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I, it's definitely a challenge. I I I when forming the question, I'm like, do you feel any pressure? Well, of course you're going to feel pressure, but do you welcome it? I guess. <laughs> I do. I welcome it. Yeah. I eat pressure for breakfast. No. Um, I, to be honest, I don't really, I don't really think about that in that um, you have to understand as much as I have loved this game and, you know, been a gamer and a geek growing up, you know, looking back at 16 year old me, um, in study hall in school, working on her D and D character when she should have been doing her algebra homework. Um, sixteen year old me could never have comprehended um, where we would end up with this game and where I would end up um, writing for it. I was still growing up at a time. Thankfully, it was nearing the end of it, but I was still growing up at the tail end of that, where you didn't you didn't advertise that you played D&D in school because you had just the still that remnants of the satanic panic and growing right. up in the, in the rural Midwest. It wasn't something that you, that you advertised and, uh, but finding my place and my friends and the things that I loved doing um, through that game. And I never would have thought that now the age I am now, I'm in my forties now, and I still get to play it you know, it's still a big part of my life. Um, my brother um, was just saying to me the other day when we were getting together for a week of Europe, he just kind of turned to me, you know, looking at me over the DM screen. He said, we still get to play D&D. He's like, that's pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty awesome that the game has been around so long and, you know, is continuing to thrive. And just me having been even a small part of that uh, with the books that I've written and having this having meant so much to me, that that will always be enough for me. Whatever else happens, happens. Whatever legacy, I will probably be long gone um, by the time people decide such things. So that's um, whatever contribution I've made, that'll be enough for me. Yeah, you've definitely made your stamp. Yeah. So for those um, who you know might... I've never, you know, we have a ton of new players that, that joined in in the 5e era. And like I said, you know, we haven't really had novels in the 5e era. So for those who st- might not understand the joy of reading a D&D novel <laughs> and so might be on the fence about picking up the fallbacks, what what is your elevator pitch? What what Tell us about the book itself. Well, I think that if you are getting into D&D and you you love D&D and you're, you are finding your people and you're finding your group. Um, I think, yeah, give it a shot because it's D&D. That's, that's all I got. You might find, you know, something that you love, or you might see the reflection of my love for the realms and the setting. And, you know, if that brings you joy, that's great. And so give it a shot. So you have written primarily within the Forgotten Realms setting, 
Are there any other settings you'd be interested in writing for? I want to write a Ravenloft novel and I always have. I will always. Ravenloft. Be still my beating heart. Yes. I will always, always want, have a special place for that setting. Uh, And I, yes, I would, I would dearly love to write a Ravenloft novel. So if you're listening out there, someone (laughs) give me, give me a Ravenloft novel. We need, we need one regardless. We need it. So for those uh, for those who haven't read your work, D&D or otherwise, how would you describe your writing style? Oh, that's tough. Um, it's tough to to describe my style from the outside because I'm just I'm just living it. I'm just writing it and I'm not really thinking about that. I asked my husband that question. I said, how would you, I said, you listen to my books. How would you describe it? And he said, and I think he's right. They're very character heavy um, because that. Uh, I, I tend to start with character and work from there um, when I'm plotting a book. And the one of the best uh, compliments I ever got from from a young person reading my my middle grade books um, was that they told me that the book played like a movie in their heads. That's when my my favorite compliment about, about my writing style is as described by a kid is that it plays like a movie in their head. So I think um, that and being being very character heavy is uh, yeah very character driven. For someone who is interested in writing specifically Dungeons and Dragons or just fantasy in general, what are some books you would recommend they read or movies that they watch? music that they should listen to, you know, what can help them to get inspired and to get them in that state of mind? I think that if you're, if you're writing outside of D and D, if you're, if you're writing fantasy, um, it definitely helps to read and read um, current works released in that genre. Um, Because not only to know what's out there and what people are writing, but to know, you know, where does your, where does your book fit in this? When you're, when you're pitching to editors, when you're pitching to agents, um, how can you, how can you compare your book to what's out there right now um, to give them a sense of, you know, how to market your book, how to, you know, how to, how to reach out to others and, and explain your book that, that always helps for D and D specifically. Um, I mean, obviously it, it helps if you know the game and if you play the game, it's not required, but it definitely helps, I think. And I think that if you, uh, for inspiration and just for for learning more about writing, um, you could do a lot worse than taking a turn as a DM for a D&D game, not only because it will, you know, help cement the rules in your head, you know, the guidelines, the rules, um, things about the world, but it also, there has been no better teacher to me about pacing and um, how to spin out a plot and release information to to a reader or to players than being in the DM's chair and seeing across the table my players react in real time to how the story progresses, right? So like, I can see when I've dumped too much world building on them because their eyes glaze over, they reach for their phones or they seem overwhelmed by too much information all at once. I know I need to draw back 
right? Or if we have a lengthy combat encounter and they're pacing the floor and it's a nail biter or it's a near TPK and the tension has just ratcheted up and up and up. And then after that's over, I know that I have to bring it down. You know, I have to, to have something very low stakes. I have to send them to a tavern or something to do to, you know, to give them a break after that release of tension. And you can apply all that to your storytelling as well. I mean, writing is a very, you know, solitary pursuit. You don't get to see that field feedback in real time. Um, as a DM, you have a unique perspective to be able to do that. So it can help teach you about pacing, about how to release information about your world and a setting to draw them in instead of pushing them away. So, you know, whatever you're writing, if you're writing D&D, if you're writing fantasy, I would always recommend, you know, try it, take a turn as a DM. And you might also, you know, you might also get a gaming group and as well as a novel out of it. And that's pretty cool. Oh, that's very, very cool. Jalia Johnson, the author of The Fallbacks Bound for Ruin. It's going to be everywhere books are sold on March 5th. And we will have links to pre-orders in the show notes. Um, is there anything you wanted to say before we wrapped up? Uh, just, I hope you enjoy the book. Also, David Auden Nash was the amazing cover artist for the book. Um, shout out there. Uh, did an amazing job. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited for the book. Free to read it. It's like I said, I was able to read a little bit of it and so far so good. It's, it's a lot of fun. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for visiting the tower. We appreciate your time and uh, we'll see you on March 5th. All right. Thanks. Take care. And thank you so much for listening to this installment of D&D Lorecast Presents. My name is Sergio. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast. Or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.